0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message.
1: Starting verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it's given where it gives light to everything in the house or everyone in the house in the same way let your good deeds shine out for all those to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father verse 17 don't misunderstand why i have come i did not come to abolish the law of moses or the writings of the prophets no i came to accomplish their purpose i tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And then in verse 19, So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what crazy times we're in. What crazy times is going on in the world uh, today. You know, I heard the other day that... Uh, we need more leaders, that the world needs more leaders. And I'm not sure I agree with that, uh, because there's the world's full of leaders. Unfortunately, they're all leading different directions. Um, we see so much going on in the world, people pulling in different directions and everything else. Um, so when you, t- when you think of the term leader or leadership, most of us think of people in Positions, we think of CEOs, we think of elected officials, we think of people that have some sort of stature. We really don't think a lot of times of the moms and dads of the world. We don't think of the different people that we run into and the fact that we're all leaders. Um, We often, again, don't think of ourselves even in that context. We don't think of ourselves as being leaders. We think of other people. Leaders are other people. Uh, they're, not, they're not us. I, I'm not in a position to lead. I, I, I can't lead. I, you know, I'm just not, I'm not worthy of, of being able to lead. But truth be told, we all lead. We all lead each and every day. Uh, we teach and we lead every single day. Um, when I think about my kids, and I remember I specifically have uh, very fond memories of watching my daughter Avery at five years old on a playground, teaching another five-year-old how to swing, how to work the swing, how to do those things. That's teaching. That's leading. I watched uh, my oldest son, every time we had uh, something that needed to be done in the church, volunteer on the front end, leading the way, coming up, giving of his time, giving of his talents uh, here at the church. We all lead, each and every one of us, every single day. So as much as I love them and my family and all of my friends and my wife and I watch them lead, they're not unique. It's every single one of us every single day. Um, But then the question becomes, okay, well, I thought I came to hear a sermon. This sounds more like a leadership conference. Why are we talking about leadership so much? So I wanted to talk through a little bit about, um, honestly, when you look back at Jesus' ministry, um, and, and you look at the type of leader that he was, hindsight it's always 2020. There was a lot of, um, a lot of prophecy, there was a lot of promises. Um, there, was a, there was a huge anticipation the buildup of the Messiah coming. And so what type of Messiah were most of the Jewish people looking for? Well, they were oppressed. Um, they were abused in a lot of cases. And so a lot of the different prophecies, you can look back, hindsight being 2020, you can look back and see, yes, where all of the different prophecies had come true, but what were those people looking for? What were the Jewish people actually looking for prior to the Messiah arriving on the scene, prior to Jesus actually coming in? So I wanted to just share just a little bit of text with you. First of all, it's important to note how many times in the, uh, in the New Testament that it's mentioned that as people, even walking down the street near Jesus, would refer to him as the son of David. There's the son of David. David. And you hear David's name brought up a lot in the lineage. So let's look, what, let's look at what Ethan says, actually, in Psalm 89, as, he's talk, as, as he gives us a little bit of a picture of maybe what they were looking for. When they start to refer to him as the son of David, why David? Why do they keep bringing that up? So I want you to do this. Close your eyes for me for a second. I want you to read. I want you to actually close your eyes, and I want you to hear these words and tell me what you would be looking for and what you would be envisioning. Again, this is Ethan talking. Long ago, you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have selected him from the common people to be king. I found my servant, David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. I will steady him with my hand. With my powerful arm, I will make him strong. His enemies will not defeat him, nor will they wicked overpower him. I will, beat, I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and my unfailing love will be with him, and my authority will grow in his power. I will extend his rule over the sea and the dominion of the rivers." So, if you're oppressed, and you're abused, and you know the Messiah is coming, and and those are the types of, that's the language, that's the type of words that you hear, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a soft-spoken Messiah, or what are you looking for? You're looking for a militant. You're looking for somebody who's going to come in and save you. You're looking for the Savior. All of the things pointed that way, or at least what they... What they wanted to hold on to pointed that way. And as a result, most of the Jewish people did what? They rejected him. That wasn't God's plan. God's plan was to come a completely different way. You see, often we fall in that same trap today. The trap that we fall into is that we think we know what we need. We think we know what we're looking for, but in a lot of cases, God has another way. In today's world, as messed up as it is, we think we're looking for leaders. We think we need more leaders. We think we need more people pushing around. Well, maybe that's not God's plan. Maybe, maybe just maybe that's not God's plan. So, what kind of leader did they end up with? What kind of savior did they end up with? Was he uh, mild and soft spoken? Sure, he was at times. Was he also rebuking and corrective when needed? Was he loving? Always. But again, we fall in some of the same traps today in the fact that we're looking for something else from someone else, and sometimes God has a plan right in front of us. Oftentimes, when it comes to leadership, understand this: We're all leaders. We've already established that. It's all of us. It's what we lead. It's what we do with it. Um, we're going to go ahead and pull up Matthew chapter 28. Starting in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples uh, left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some had doubted. Jesus came to the disciples. Excuse me. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given the authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. Jesus is saying, I have the authority to do this, I am giving this authority. I am handing this to you. This is, this is for you to take. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. So you don't just have the disciples. You've got new disciples. Who are the new disciples? It's the next round of people that are being taught. It's the next round of those people being poured into. And then the next round and then the next round. And the question becomes, are we not the disciples of Jesus? Are we not the disciples? So also reading in John chapter 20. This is uh, right after the resurrection, uh, when, they get, when they get together and they're still scared, um, and then Jesus appears to them. John chapter 20, starting in 19 and 21. That Sunday evening, the disciples were met behind, were meeting, excuse me, behind locked doors and because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them, and he said, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds on his hands and on his side, and they were filled with joy, and they saw the Lord. And here's, the big, here's the big idea. Again, he said, peace be with you, but as the Father has sent me, so I send, I am sending you. So I'm sending you. Too many times we... we we have a job to do, and we don't. We, we've laid it down. We've, we're waiting on someone else to come fill those different roles. And when you look out in our society and you look in our world today, you can see the result of us not parenting sometimes, of us not leading, of us not doing the things that we're called to do and that we have a job to do. So, again, we are the disciples of Jesus. So... Um, We just read through his words, words from our leader. We read the words of Jesus himself. So we are leaders. We've already said that. Our job is to teach and to keep teaching every single day. It's to lead and to continue to lead every single day. Um, So, yeah, this is a little bit of a leadership conference, and we'll start to tie it all back together here in just a second. But it absolutely is a leadership conference. There's just such a void Of Christian leadership, godly leadership in our world today. But leadership, what is it? Well, if it's not position and it's not title, what is it? What is leadership? Leadership is influence, it's nothing more. The ability to teach is is the ability to influence. You're teaching somebody, you're raising somebody up, you're growing them, you're 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 giving them the ability to better themselves. That's leadership. By the same token, you can tear somebody down. So there's a, of, uh, there's a couple of things we have to be very, very careful of. So we're going to kind of walk through some things together. Um, and as Christians, uh, again, what we do with what God gives us is extremely important. Amen? So I've just got five simple, simple ideas. And wow, I am going fast. Holy smoke. I just realized just how fast I was going. I apologize. Um, Five simple ideas to walk through that should keep us aligned in God's word. Um, Number one, lead without words. Lead without words. Our actions are so much more powerful than anything else we do. The say, do as I say, not as I do doesn't work. It never has. Don't kid yourself. If you've ever said that, you knew it wasn't working when you said it. Let's face it. You just said it because it made you feel better at the time. But your actions lead so much more than what your words do. So make sure you're aware of them because it's out there for everybody to see. Um, Parents, have you ever seen your child do something or even in this point say something that you went to go get the child and you went to go correct them? A part of you couldn't help but laugh on the inside because even though you knew it was wrong, you knew where it came from. You knew you saw yourself in that. They saw you do that. They saw you, they heard you say that and they learned it honestly. You taught it, but yet they're going to get corrected for it. They're still got to get corrected for it, but it happens, right? Sometimes we're not even aware what we're doing, uh, but they're watching. So whether or not you're in a car, whether or not you're at the office or at the church, whether or not you're in front of a crowd or in front of a server at a restaurant. Your actions speak so much louder than words. Understand that. Also in your living room. Um, Again, so many things in our world today, when you look back, you have to wonder what's going on in people's living rooms that allow us to be in the position that we're in today. So again, leave without words. Number two. Let your passion show. So what do, we mean by, what do I mean by let your passion show? God has planted seeds of passion in every single one of us. Every one of us are different. Where's my fisherman? Somebody, who, who, where's my fisherman? Anybody fisherman in the house? All right. His passion for fishing and somebody that wants to go out there and do that and be, go out there and spend his day fishing excites him. For me... The idea of sitting there with a pole and fishing may not get me real excited or real amped up. We're all built different. God built every one of us individually. But he also instilled those seeds of passion within us. And he did that for a reason. Because we're all individual. Whatever that passion is that God planted in you, do something with it. Do something with it. Whether or not you can make that your career, and if you can, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. A lot of people can't do that. Sometimes your passion doesn't, doesn't put enough money out there for you to be able to feed your family. But in your spare time, whatever that passion is, if you are a dog lover, if you are a plant lover, whatever, find a way to get involved in that community and watch what happens when God puts those opportunities in front of you. Because he will. He'll use that opportunity. He'll use those opportunities. If you're passionate about it, he gave you that passion. And he did it because he has a plan for it. Somebody somewhere needs to cross your path, and that may be the way that that happens. So again, tell you a little bit about my grandmother, my grandma Pickren. Uh, First of all, she's probably cracking up and laughing right now that I'm up here preaching um, because this this was kind of what she always told me I would be doing. I didn't think so, but here I am. Um, my grandmother loved to drive. That's what she did. She loved to drive. She would, she would get in the car and drive. There were days that she would get in the car and drive to town just so she could get in the car and drive to town for no other reason. For a career, she drove a, uh, a bus for a retirement center down in uh, Florida, um, she drove. She picked up all of the uh, the residents, and she took them grocery shopping. She took them everywhere else. But she got them. She got to drive around. That's what she did for a living. After uh, they, after my grandparents retired, and uh, I say retired loosely, moved to moved back to Georgia, um, she put in for a job, and she was going to drive a bus at a senior citizen center in Georgia. Job wasn't available, so what did she figure out she was going to do? She could have done about anything, but instead she decided she found a job driving for the state of Georgia, driving patients who needed to go back and forth from the small town to Savannah, back and forth. She found a way to do that. Now, through that, she was able to minister, pour into, build relationships, and do all of these amazing things while doing what she loved to do. She was an amazing woman. She was the matriarch of our family, but she found a way to use that passion. and You all have it. We all have it. Nobody knows what yours is, or I'm sure your spouse or some of your family does, but find out what that passion is. um, fuel that fire and get involved in a godly way with whatever that passion is, all right? Next, never stop learning. Got a little statement here. It says, wisdom comes with experience and seasoning, sure, but that doesn't happen without knowledge. So you need. So you have to thirst and seek for actual knowledge. If you're gonna, if you're gonna build that fire for around that passion, you need to learn about it. You need to be able to spend time and 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 understand all of those different aspects of it. Just like your Christian walk. There's so many times that um, I, I see different. Uh, Different uh, reading plans. I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And Raise your hand if you've ever finished one of those, by the way. If you've ever actually finished a whole, okay, only about five people maybe. The difference is reading for reading's sake, which doesn't, it doesn't get you fired up. It just doesn't. It doesn't get you excited. It doesn't get you anything. It gets you to check a box is what it does. And as good as checking that box feels, that's over in an instant. But the difference is reading for understanding, reading for development, understanding what it is and not understanding what it is and being passionate enough that you want to go find out what it is. Go find out what this leads to. What does that word tell me? Where does that word point me, et cetera, et cetera. Thirst and seeking for, to understand, not just reading for a checkbox. Going back to verse 19 because there's a, a, in Matthew chapter 5, because there's also an important warning here, okay, We're also told, we're given a warning by Jesus. We're given a warning. Okay? You pull back up uh, for Matt. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. If you ignore the least commandment or you teach others. So understand what that means. If you're a leader and you're a teacher and you're teaching But you are. Are you teaching the right thing? How do you know what you're supposed to be teaching? Because if you're teaching the wrong thing, Jesus says, listen, if you're teaching somebody to do something other than what's right, there are some consequences to it. We have to be aware of that. As Christians, we have to be aware of it. Okay? So how do we make sure we're not teaching the wrong thing? Well, we need to be in the Word. So let me go out and get a Bible plan so I can read the Word in a year, right? No, it's not how it works. Again, reading for knowledge, balance, and understanding. There's so much out there as far as um, literature and all of those things. You have to be very, very careful. Let's be honest. You have to be very careful. Thank God we have a compass. Anything that doesn't align with the Bible, anything that doesn't align with the word, we know is not correct. So So we have to make sure we're not teaching that, even inadvertently. It's important. It's important or he would not have mentioned it. Again, balance and understanding. researching the context. Making sure you revert back to your compass. You see, when God called the disciples, he called, them, he, he called them to follow him. He called to follow and to learn. And they were to learn, not for themselves, but so that they could teach, so that they would teach. It's our job part of it next be flexible okay I heard a, I heard a uh, one of the favorite my favorite preachers when I was growing up said one time he said uh, be flex he says uh, blessed are those who are flexible for they shall not get bent out of shape uh, and I was I it always stuck with me I always thought that was really really funny but it's so accurate okay Being flexible means a couple of different things. It means not not allowing everything to consume you on its face. Sometimes you have to let things just wash off your back and you have to be able to adjust to situations. Um, But the biggest piece of this is understanding that every situation is different based upon your relationships, okay? So we talk about being flexible and we talk about leadership and we talk about teaching. Understand the relationship that I have with a server at a restaurant, is that the same relationship I have with my child? Is that the same relationship I have with my spouse? Is that the same relationship I have with a coworker? Maybe, maybe not. There are so many different levels of relationships and how you approach different things should depend upon what that relationship is. The conversations I have with with Rachel are gonna be completely different in tone, in context, and everything that I would have with my next-door neighbor. They just are. So you have to be aware of that and be flexible and understand you have to adjust what you're doing, what you're saying, how you do different things depending on who it is you're talking to. Does that mean we um, change who we are? Do we change our core? No. Doesn't, that doesn't change who we are. It's the difference of, if I see my child doing something that they're not supposed to do, and I and I have to get onto my child, I'm going to do that. Now if I'm, I don't want to use Walmart, so I'm going to go Target. <laughs> if I'm at Target and somebody else's child is acting up, do I have the same right and the same authority? Do I rebuke that child the way I would my own? No. It's a different relationship. There's a difference in relationships. Um Who's inside your circle? I don't know if anybody's ever even thought of this, but average person has a direct relationship, a inside relationship, inside circle, if you will, with about 15 people. You actually have a smaller, tighter circle, usually inside your home, about four to five people. You also have about 50 casual relationships, friends, pseudo-friends. I'm not talking about your 568 Facebook friends. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, actual people you converse with, see face-to-face, have conversations with, etc. And then you also have hundreds of people that you come in contact with every day. Very, very, very casual relationships. Somebody you nod to at the gas pump or at the, gas, or at the uh, grocery store or, or whatever. Every one of those levels are different types of relationships. And one of the things that gives us Christians a bad name is sometimes... We've been known to rebuke someone we don't even have a relationship with. You see, Jesus had a relationship with the disciples. That relationship was formed. That relationship was bonded over time. So whenever there was a rebuke, it's needed. It's interesting when we talk about being flexible, understand this. The same Jesus who wrote softly in the sand is the same Jesus who turned over the table in the temple. Did he turn over a temple in the market? No. It wasn't the place. It wasn't the time. It wasn't the right situation. It wasn't called for. But in the temple, do something wrong in the temple, and let's see how fast a table gets turned. It's all situational, so you have to be flexible. I have a, uh, a really good mentor that I've known for years now. He actually, I've known him for a little, About 20 years. I met him about uh, six months before Rachel and I got married, and uh, we became a really good friends. I worked for him for a while. I reported directly to him, and uh, over the years, I only reported to him for about three years, but we continued to build a very strong relationship, very good, strong friendship, and what's interesting is even five years after I stopped working for him, I was at a conference, and I was a speaker at a conference, and after the conference was over, He calls me up he had watched it online and he called me up and he says are you ready and I said go for it because I know exactly where he's going he wants to better me he wants to he wants me to understand where he felt like I could get better where I can improve so we sat on the phone and go through that when we had the restaurant open he stopped by with his family to have dinner I missed him wasn't even there didn't know he was coming by. He didn't bother to tell me. Calls me afterward and says, are you ready? So I'm like, okay. He said, here's what your servers need to work on. Here's what this needs and this, 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 and this, this. Now, we have a great friendship, and we talked for, about the family and the kids and everything else, but that's a relationship that's formed and bonded over time. But we're comfortable enough that we can push on each other, and we're not going to allow each other to do the wrong things and not grow. We're not gonna do that. So when we say be flexible, understand every situation is different and as a teacher and as a leader, and you are teaching and leading, every situation is different, it's situational, okay? Next, understanding how people, excuse me, understand that how you treat people matters. Boy, can I get an amen there somewhere, please? Uh, when you're in front of them or when you walk away. It's not just what, you don't just hurt somebody's feelings or have the ability to hurt somebody's feelings when you're standing toe-to-toe with them and talking with them. Sometimes you can hurt their feelings when they ain't even in the room. Okay? You can say something, somebody else says something, somebody else says something. There's all kinds of other ways to do it. But understand, at the end of the day, how we treat people and how we make them feel is extremely important. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud's got a fantastic book uh, entitled Integrity. And that book basically takes down the word integrity and breaks it into multiple parts and says it's so much more than just being honest when you're asked a direct question. It's so much more than that. It's about how you carry yourself. It's character. It's all those different things. And one of the things he talks about is the wake. Do I have any boaters in the room? Anybody like boating? Anybody got a boater? What's a wake? Two lines that come out of the back of your boat, right? So I was going to go over it, but I actually found a clip, so I wanted just a three-minute clip. I'm going to let him, I'm I'm going to let Dr. Cloud actually tell you a little bit about the wake.
0: Hey, guys, I want to share something with you that I found very helpful in my life and when I work with others. And it's a concept called the wake. Now, what is a wake? Well, think about anything that has a force. You know, if a hurricane moves through a region, you always listen to the news and they say, you know, Katrina left a horrible wake behind it, right? It's the results that a force leaves behind it. And if you see like a good person, a good leader in a company, you'll, you'll, you'll hear people say, gosh, when Mary was here, we got, you know, we accomplished so much and the culture was so great. Well, that's the wake that Mary left behind her because she was a force to do good things. Well, here's the thing you're a force. You're a person. And you move through lakes all the time. You move through interactions in your family. You move through interactions in your circle of friends, your extended family. You move through interactions in your department at work or even an entire industry. And people that are really, really fruitful in life, what do we do? We know they're fruitful because of what they leave behind them. So I started thinking, you know, it's like a boat. Right? When a boat moves across an ocean, you stand on the boat, you look behind it, and there's a wake. You can tell a lot about the boat by the wake that it leaves. You know, if the captain looks out and the wake's curvy, he or she's thinking, oh my gosh, we're we're off our heading, or if it's too steep, we're we're going too slow, or if it's too shallow, we're burning too much fuel. And you can tell a lot about how healthy that boat is and how it's operating by looking at the wake. Well, you and I are just like that. And we leave a wake behind us, just like a boat does, on two sides. Remember, all of life is about love and work, okay? The love side of our wake is our ability to look at and create good things behind us as we interact with people. So you leave a wake behind you, and people left in your wake are either feeling better for you having move through their life or move through the last hour or move through that season. And they're out there in their wake going, oh, it feels so good. What just happened with that person? Okay. So that's the love side. Conversely, on the love side, some people leave a destructive wake behind them. They leave people wounded. They leave people discouraged. They leave people feeling hopeless. So the way they interact leaves a lot of destruction in their wake. And we all know people like that. So that's one side of the wake, the love side. The other side of life is work. Now, what I mean by work is not just, you know, your career, or what you get paid for, but I mean, being productive. We all have talents, we have abilities, and we know from all research that thriving, healthy, happy people they not only have good relationships and they leave a wake of good relationships, but they also leave a wake behind them of accomplishment. Okay? That can be in a home, it can be in a business, it can be in a hobby, it can be in a community, but we are designed to put effort into something using our talents and abilities, and at the end of the day, look and say, oh, what a great day, look what I accomplished. It's a
1: pretty amazing analogy. When you think about it, you can see, you can imagine yourself being on the boat looking back, you've got two lines. You've got the love side, the relationship side. Are people back there surfing in your wake, having a good time, having a large time, or are you chumming the waters? Sometimes, maybe a little both, right? And on the other side, you have the accomplishments, the work side. You've got the things that you're to do. Now, again, he said it's not, this is not about necessarily what you do for a living. It's not what it's about. It's what accomplishments are out there. What is it you're impacting? How are you impacting the world? And sometimes you can't do that just hiding in the house, okay? It's about making sure that whenever you are out there, and when you are out there leading, you have an impact on this world. God asks us to. Jesus asked us to. So one thing about the wake That hit me pretty strong. The wake are the results that we leave behind. The wake doesn't lie. It doesn't care for excuses. You can try to convince the wake of anything you want. It is what it is. Point blank. All right? So, again, you are a leader. Just to kind of recap, here's the five points that that I started with. Leading without words. Again, your actions always speak louder. Number two, let your passion show. Find out what you're passionate about. You already know what it is. Quit hiding from it. Be passionate about it. But let, it, let your passion show and allow God to use that passion because it will build something up in you that will amaze you. Never stop learning. Always be a student. Always. Um, be flexible and understand the difference in situations and how you're to lead, when you're to lead, etc., And then again, how you treat people matters. Keep an eye on your wake. It's really important. And I'm going to leave you, before I go to this last piece of scripture, uh, just a quote by Maya Angelou. She said, uh, people may not remember exactly what you did or what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. They'll never forget it. So, so many times you talk to people that were, I used to be a Christian. I got burned. I got this. I got that. That's where this comes in. That's exactly where this resides. Okay, so I'm going to start the same. I'm going to end the same exact place I started. So I'm going to end with the same scripture we started, and let's see if it sounds hopefully a little bit different, um, a little bit different than what it was when I just read through it on the on the front end. And so Matthew five chapter fourteen, you are a light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Nobody hides the light. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everything or everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine, not to glorify you, but so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Number 17, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. The commandments don't change. I don't care what society does. Commandments don't change. We're not talking about legalism. That's a separate issue. We're talking about the core commandments. We're talking about what was put in stone. Ironically, stone, right? No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And then on to verse 19, here's the warning again. So if you ignore the least of these commands, if you teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. That should get you right there. That should get you in the fields, right? But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches, and I'm going to insert, and leads them to be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We're not asked to save anybody. We're not asked, um, we're, we're, we're not asked to save. We're asked to teach and we're asked to lead. God takes care of whether or not that message is taken and, and what's done with it. That's not on us, but we've got to start teaching. We've got to start teaching better than what we have been teaching. Okay. Um, Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for, for your word. Lord, for the words right out of Jesus' mouth, Lord, To just uh, to understand what impact we have and what impact we have already had and how we can take a look back and see how we've impacted people. And, and Father, maybe there's, maybe there's times that we, uh, we didn't do it right that, we, uh, that we've hurt somebody. And, and, and Lord, if you convict us to, to go back and, and, and try, to, try to make some of those wrongs right, Lord, just, uh, just do that. Allow, open our hearts to, to the conviction, Lord. Just, just open us up. Fathers, let us see going forward how the words from today, how we can apply them to our life as we walk out the door today and let us not... Be the same person we walked in those doors as this morning. Father, Lord, uh, there's a lot of people in this world that are hurting right now. There's a lot of people that need genuine Christian leadership. And there's so much noise out there, Lord. They don't, they don't know where to turn. Allow us and empower us, embolden us to be able to be the one to step out there and to be able to help lead the way you've called us to lead, Father. Lord, for his precious, precious in the holy name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God. Love others and live
1: real.